everyone. My name is Ari and welcome to Made of Metal, a motivational podcast where we tell stories about regular people overcoming insurmountable odds. So I hope everyone had a very happy Halloween yesterday. Oh my gosh, you guys, Halloween. I know you guys are probably like, wow, everything's your favorite. Yes, I love a lot of things, but Halloween, like, come on, the perfect combo of creativity and creep factor, which I love. I love creativity and creeps. Yes, I do. And my most loved movie of all time is Nightmare Before Christmas. Not just because it's a cinematic masterpiece. Please at me if you disagree and we can have, you know, healthy discourse. But (laughs) because the movie soundtrack is still my favorite to this day, Kidnap Mr. Santa Claus, like, come on, the Halloween song, the Christmas song, the Oogie Boogie song, don't even get me started. But in my opinion, great music is timeless. And I think a lot of people would agree with me on that. You hear a certain song and it kind of puts you in this like mindset or it takes you back to a memory or it's just like super nostalgic. So I love songs that take me back to childhood, you know, to the holidays. Everything's super fun and great. That's why I love Nightmare Before Christmas. But I love music that inspires and moves you as well, definitely. And that actually perfectly describes the sounds of the individual that we'll be talking about today. Not only was their music absolutely unmatched in terms of sound, impact, and lyrics... But this person's music launched an entire political movement that promoted peace, progress, and unity within a nation. This was a person that grew up in the worst parts of what some would classify as a third world country. But in spite of their immediate circumstances, this person curated their own future, doing what they love while also making an indelible impact on the world. I also have adored this person, not only because I am of Caribbean descent, but I'm a huge fan of their music and message. Plus, I found their history and a lot of their interviews I thought were just absolutely fascinating. I mean, I consider myself a modern day hippie, and I really resonated with so much of this person's viewpoints. It was just so shocking to me when I found out how young he was. But that's the joys of research. You really learn stuff that you're like, wow, that is so cool. So this week, we'll be discussing the peacemaker, the pathfinder, the player, Bob Marley. Bob Marley was born Robert Nesta Marley on February 6th, 1945, in a town called Nine Miles in St. Anne's Parish, Jamaica. Bob was an only child to parents who had an unorthodox relationship that crossed racial divides. Bob's father was an overseer that hailed from a wealthy family, while his mother was the young daughter of a local respected magistrate. When Bob was just a child, He lived with his father for quite some time before being taken back to his mother in Nine Miles. His mother lived in a place called Trentstown, an infamously impoverished area with some of the worst living conditions on the island. Trentstown was a dangerous tenement, harbored many residents who were experiencing harassment, oppression, and classism imposed by the local government. 
corruption and illicit dealings were the norm within the government, and the people were the ones experiencing the brunt of the consequences. The lack of social services support combined with lack of empathy on the side of the government is what fueled a lot of the violence and frustrations among the residents. In spite of his less-than-ideal home life, Bob was able to make friends and showed an interest and talent for music early on in life. Trenchtown was known for being a mixing bowl of cultures and consequently music styles and scenes. Jamaica had its own host of local artists, but Bob was also exposed to music from the U.S. and developed an appreciation for artists such as Fats Domino and Ray Charles. The local Jamaican music scene was still emerging, but featured many artists who were more concerned with marketing to a larger audience for profits, such as the U.S. While growing up and becoming even more focused on music, Bob and a close friend, Neville Livingston, worked on developing their own unique music style and vocal abilities. They worked with another local legend named Joe Higgs, who introduced them to the future third member of their group, a man named Peter McIntosh, or more commonly known as the great Peter Tosh, another founding father of modern reggae. In the early 1960s, in his teen years, Bob would record a few solo tracks with another local producer, attempting to break into the music scene on his own. While the tracks themselves weren't as successful, it did inspire Bob to join forces with his other two musically gifted friends, Peter Tosh and Neville Livingston. And this is how the extraordinary Wailing Whalers were born. I think a lot of people thought that they began as Bob Marley and the Whalers, but this wasn't until much later, definitely a product of evolution within the group. While adding on three other like-minded band members, the Whalers would release their first single, Simmer Down, which quickly reached the top of the charts in 1964. Simmer Down broke away from the traditional light-hearted sounds of Jamaican music and spoke about the difficulty living in poverty and oppression that was experienced by so many of their neighbors. The strong, spirited sounds combined with the unfiltered emotions filled the ears and the hearts of everyone who listened with a sense of familiarity as it resonated with so many. Music was the outlet for the people, and Bob was creating an avenue for their feelings and voices to be heard. The freedom of speech that was being allowed in the music wasn't quite as available in their everyday due to the immense government and societal pressures affecting their worlds. Pressures that every day threatened to wreak violence and havoc over their homes. This song resonated with people in a way nothing had before, and it became an instant hit. The group quickly rose to become one of the most popular bands in Jamaica. Another aspect that encouraged the Whalers' rise to fame was their association with the religion of Rastafarianism which was practiced by a large portion of the Jamaican population. The Rastafarian movement advocated for peace and unity amongst the people, drawing their origins from ancient African teachings. 
Although the whalers were popular amongst the people, they were not able to build financial stability alone on their music and still had to find ways to sustain their lifestyle. In the midst of their rise, Bob traveled to the United States to see his mother that had recently moved, as well as search for temporary employment. During this short break, three members would leave the whalers and everyone went their separate ways for a time. After about eight months, Bob would return to the island and picked right back up where they all left off with Peter and Neville, the original three whalers. During this time, in the late 60s, Bob was still in his teen years. I just think that's so amazing to me that he was only a teenager when he released some of his most incredible songs. To have that sort of certainty that that is what you were meant to do at such a young age, that is just, you know, amazing to me as well. After reuniting, the Whalers released smash hits such as Stir It Up with the singer Johnny Nash, as well as the songs Soul Rebel and the timeless Trenchtown Rock with Lee Perry, a famous producer. In 1972, as the Whalers began to gain international momentum, they added on two additional band members and signed their first major record deal with the historic label Island Records. That next year, the group would record and release their groundbreaking album, Catch a Fire, and begin a worldwide tour, spreading the lovely reggae music everywhere they went. This would be one of many quintessential reggae albums that they would create in history and turn the world's attention to Bob Marley and the Whalers. Shortly after, the group recorded and released the album titled Burnin', which had the hit song, I Shot the Sheriff. But I didn't shoot the deputy. That was covered by the famous Eric Clapton. This cover would hit number one on the charts in the U.S. Their next album, Natty Dread, was produced after Peter Tosh and Neville Livingston left the group to begin their own solo careers, which were both successful in their own right. Natty Dread was a landmark album in its blatant confrontation of the cultural and political climate of the time, centered around the tensions between the people and the government. One such song on the album illustrated Bob's own experience of being harassed by the army, which was titled Rebel Music. Another notable song that shone a light on political unfairness was titled Revolution, which was Bob's own personal political endorsement for the People's Party. Rebel Music, Revolution. Like, is there any question on why I love this person? Like, there shouldn't be. Just to highlight, this is one of the many reasons why I love Bob Marley's music, and that was his dedication to being a voice for the people, shedding light on serious issues and trying to make a positive impact. I have so much respect for people like that because it's so difficult. It truly is, especially if your own circumstances are less than ideal. At this point in time, however, the Whalers were enjoying the perks and recognition of international stardom. Following Natty Dread, Bob would join forces with three additional ladies with the Whalers, one such that was his wife, Rita. 
Around 1975, Bob Marley and the Wireless hit the top of the charts in the UK again with the hit No Woman, No Cry, which is one of the greatest songs ever created. I just had to stop myself from singing right then and there, you guys. It's literally in my head right now. In 1976, with the release of his album, Rasta Man Vibration, Bob took an even more polarized stance against the oppression and violence he was witnessing in his homeland. His song, War, was composed of a speech from a great African leader who was considered one of the pillars of the Rastafarian movement that championed independence and freedom amongst the African people. After returning home from their global tours, Bob jumped right back into an active political activist role in his home. His reach and impact had grown considerably as he'd been boosted to the worldwide stage, and he was using his influence to the people's advantage. The opposition viewed Bob as a direct threat and decided it was enough to make an attempt on his life. On December 3rd, 1976, Bob Marley and the Wailers were shot while rehearsing a song for a benefit concert. Although several band members were hit, no one sustained life-threatening injuries in spite of the attacker's best efforts. Even more incredibly is that the band went on to play the concert even after the attack knowing full well that they are putting themselves at risk again. That takes guts. I mean, true courage to know that literally in the audience, probably, are people who just shot at you a couple hours ago. Like, no big deal. They can definitely shoot at you again. But, I mean, that he was willing to go up there and that they were all willing to go up there and live their life out in the open, playing the concert on a stage. I mean, you don't get any more visible than that. That is literally courage in action right there. The assassination attempt shows just how much of a danger the government considered Bob Marley and his music. After the concert, the band left the country and Bob began living in London. While in the UK, Bob would release Exodus, which featured strong biblical references and drew parallels between the plight of native Jamaicans and the story of Moses and the Israelites. Exodus was another chart topper that again flew to stardom in the UK. To this day, Exodus is another pinnacle reggae album that has reached heights that no other album can even come close to. It was in that same year, in 1977, that Bob saw treatment for an issue on his foot, something that had been developing for quite some time. After an examination, a doctor determined it was cancerous and required amputation in order to treat immediately. Bob denied having the amputation as it was in opposition to his Rastafarian belief system. Bob held himself so close to his doctrines that he was willing to give his life to uphold them. That next year, Bob would go back to Jamaica to perform at the One Love Peace concert in support of uniting the two main political parties on the island and putting an end to the violence. It was at this concert that Bob was able to mediate and bring together the two biggest opposition leaders to actually physically shake hands on stage, a landmark event that helped bring about 
much-needed peace for everyone on the island. Bob would also complete a journey to Africa, as that is the named spiritual birthplace of Rastafarianism, in order to reconnect with his roots. Another historic event was that the band would play at the official Independence Day of Zimbabwe, an honor that was requested specifically by the nation. In 1980, the Global Smash album Uprising would be released with the tracks Could You Be Loved and Redemption Song, which continued to showcase the political views and importance of love that had become the main message of the Whalers' music. Could you be loved? I know somebody's like, wow, I didn't ask for all this <laughs> extra side performances, but y'all are going to get it today. Sorry. <laughs> Sadly, while on tour in the U.S., Bob would become sick and had to cancel the rest of their U.S. tour dates. After it was determined that the cancer was the cause, still keeping in line with his religious beliefs, Bob would complete alternative health treatments in Germany in order to fight the cancer. The treatments worked for a number of months, but unfortunately, it was not enough to fully beat the spread throughout his body. Bob Marley would pass away on May 11, 1981, in Miami, Florida. Bob received accolades unlike anyone else from his country, and I'd just like to name just a few. He'd received the Medal of Peace from the United Nations, as well as the Order of Merit from the Jamaican government. Bob Marley was also inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1994. Bob's family also established a foundation in his name called the Bob Marley Foundation which focuses its efforts on helping developing nations. Bob Marley was an exceptional individual and an extraordinary musician. Like I said in the beginning, creating music that moves not only your feet, but your soul. This is evidenced by the strong support and constant focused messaging on peace and unity amongst his people. Bob had a gift, and instead of just cashing it in, he used it to make the world and the world of those around him a better place. To grow up in what many consider to be the slums of a third world country without a father figure or strong familiar support, but creating something beautiful and everlasting in spite of it. Jamaica and the entire world is better because Bob Marley sang to us about peace and love. Also, just continuing on to live your truth at the very threat of your own life being taken away is the ultimate act of courage. I mean, people literally shot at you, and yet you stand right back up on a stage and continue to play. Just pure passion and love is motivating you, and the people can see and feel that. So I absolutely love this quote, and I think it's really, really important to connect the two in terms of the understanding of risk and that Bob Marley knew he was putting himself at risk and he was doing it willingly with full knowledge. And I really like this quote because it resonates with me and my own viewpoint on life, but I think it really illustrates just how committed Bob Marley was to his own passions. To love is to risk 
not being loved in return. To hope is to risk pain. To try is to risk failure. But risk must be taken because the greatest hazard in life is to risk nothing. You can check us out at madeofmetalpodcast.com. That's M-E-T-T-L-E. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Made of Metal Podcast. And if you love the show and you'd really like to support, please share, share, share. Tell your friends. Write a review. I'm super interested in hearing all feedback. Can't express that enough. And you can follow, subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. So stay tuned because I will be running a giveaway of some really fun merch. I've gotten some really great feedback that you guys love the podcast title and cover. So I want to put that on some really great merch for you guys. So please stay tuned and I'll let you know when I put that up on my site. So as always, my loves, I hope you enjoy this wonderful week. Welcome to fall. Happy Halloween. Belated, but I'm still in the spirit. (laughs) And as always, my loves, bloom where you are planted. Bye.